Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is uh, Jessica Glang from BetaKit on the Serpcast. More like spoiler cast. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't played The Last of Us and you have not watched Will Smith's I Am Legend, then... Be forewarned, you will be spoiled. What's good, Internet? You're listening to episode 131 of the Cerebcast. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, July 27th. The Cerebcast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and fun discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystem. I'm your host, Igor Benefasik. This week, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup staff writer, Brad Shikar. Brad, how are you, sir? Pretty good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We also have, uh, also staff writer, Dean Daly. How's it going, Dean? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's um, Yeah, it's a great day. <laughs> it is a great day because we are joined by BetaKit news editor and my good friend, Jessica Galang. What's going on, Galang? Not much. I'm super excited to be here. And we're excited to have you here. So we brought on Jess to talk about startups. Jess, we need to talk about KPIs. What are KPIs? I, um, it's something that you say when you want to sound like you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Actually, we're not here to talk about KPIs. Don't worry, dear listeners. Psyched. Um, we're doing a little special epi episode. Um, we're going to be talking about the seventh generation, our favorite games from the seventh generation of video game consoles. For those who don't know, the seventh generation started in November 22nd, 2005, with the launch of the Xbox 360. It also included the PS3 and the Wii. You could also include a bunch of handhelds, but for the purposes of this podcast, just to keep things short and sweet and concise, we're not going to include those. Each writer has picked their favorite three games from that uh, generation. They're going to talk about why they picked those games, why those games meant so much, or why they resonated so much with them. Um, and then we're going to have just some fun chats about that. Um, Jess, since you are our guest oh of honor, goodness. what are your top three? So much pressure. Indeed. Um, yeah, so my top three games are, of course, starting with Last of Us. I feel like that is... I actually had to fight everyone in this room to be able to name that as my top three mm -hmm. because it's everyone's favorite game so far, except for Dean. Yeah. Except for Dean. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, just because, um, you know, like for me, like when I play games, like the number one thing for me is the storyline. Okay, so before yeah. you get too oh, far. Before I get too far. Okay. What are the, what other, are the other two? two? Okay. Um, my other two favorites are Bioshock because that was actually the game that got me into playing video games. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the third is Catherine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So great choice. Great choice. So good. <laughs> uh, great choices all around. Um, do you want to, before you talk about um, what The Last of Us means to you and what the other ones mean to you, do you, can you just tell us a bit about what The Last of Us is, who it was made by, what the story is about, just for yeah. those people who are like, 
Oh, I've never heard of these games. Yeah, I know. Although if you never heard of Last of Us, it'd be surprising. Well, get under yeah. the rock you're living. But there's still, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Last of Us is from Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Naughty Dog. And um, put simply, it's the um the story of a young girl. And um, I'm going to describe him as an anti-hero. Um, basically going on a journey th- towards a, um, in a, I don't want to call them zombies, but uh, people, they're going through a world where people are infected with a virus that causes them to act out violently. And um, she potentially is the key to the cure. So they're trying to go into a facility to figure out how they can use her, um, I guess, use her to create a cure for this world. That's, That's a great like, synopsis. Yeah. Yes. I'll just add one thing. Yes, Sorry, please do that. Interesting context. Uh, the disease that the people are infected with in that game is called the cordyceps virus, mm-hmm. which is actually based off of a real disease that infected ants it's, and other yeah. insects. True. Uh, and there was a BBC, I believe BBC documentary on it, and it showed it was really kind of gross, like this giant like antenna just sprouting out of the ant's head over time, and it infected other yeah, ants. Yeah, and then I think eventually so, it just like rips itself out of like the yeah, ant's body or something. It's like yeah. really gross, but uh, the developers, Naughty Dog, they're watching the documentary, and they're like, what if that would happen to humans? And that's kind of where the idea of the game mm-hmm, came. Mm-hmm. So, kind of rooted, uh, bleh, rooted in reality. Yeah, rather. that's a great fact. But also Groot. <laughs> I <am> Groot. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so what was it about specifically about uh, The Last of Us that resonated with you? Yeah, well, I think because, um, you know, just generally, like, as a woman playing games, it's hard to find stories with strong female characters mm-hmm. and also stories that exemplify sort of that um, just coming-of-age process as a young girl. And, I mean, obviously, I think she's 14 in the game that I, be- I believe. And, and she's not going Ellie. through... She's not going through a normal... Um, yes, this is mm-hmm. Ellie. Sorry, mm-hmm. this is the girl. Do and, you want to talk a bit more about Ellie? Just so, yeah, yeah, so she's um she's very spunky. She's got a lot of attitude. And, um I mean, she's not a character where you have to protect her and you have to watch her, which is really annoying when you're playing a game when you have someone who's just sort of latching onto you and then you're about to beat the level and then they just die. It's very mm-hmm. annoying. She's actually an ally to you. So even though she can't really fight in the beginning and she just, like, throws rocks for you or, like, distracts people, um she's still, like, she wants to be part of the action. Mm-hmm. And I like that about her because even though she's young and inexperienced, um, she sort of grew up in this world and she just wants to be treated like the same as like, you know, the older uh, male hero mm-hmm. wants to be treated. So, right. So but I consider her a hero in her own right. I shouldn't say totally. like that. <laughs> um, so a really great mechanic in this game for people that don't know is so you control Joel, who's or for mm-hmm. most of the game you do anyway. Um, and Ellie will sometimes come up from like if there's someone on trying to like murk you yeah. <laughs> uh she'll come up with like a brick and knock yes. them out or something uh so she definitely she doesn't feel as a uh she doesn't feel like a, a a cumbrance right like she's there to help you out yeah right exactly um yeah she saved my life many times <laughs> many times is there a particular moment uh you know uh you know it's an old game <laughs> yeah spoilers um is there a particular moment that stands out in your mind from this game the ending is what stood out to me so i have to see <laughs> that so yeah so don't yeah. listen on if you don't want spoilers if you plan on playing like a million years later um so uh so at the end um they decide not to make the cure because to create the cure sorry like is this okay for me to yeah say I, i've never seen it i've never played it i mean but it's cool okay. go ahead yeah <laughs> okay. it's really important okay um so at the end they decide not to make the cure because um doing so would have to you would have to kill ellie and because joel also lost his daughter he's become so attached to ellie that he doesn't want to let her go so even though ellie 
is willing to to um give her life he he decides to just kill all the doctors who are responsible for making the cure and just take her and she doesn't know that this happened because she was unconscious and then at the end she asks him um what happened like what happened and then he lies to her and just says like it didn't work or something like that um that's basically what more more or less it's kind of like the noble lie right like it's um you know joel we're kind of not giving a lot of great context but joel is like a very damaged person right he's he at the start of the game it sets it up that uh it's at the start of the collapse of the world right so this virus is starting to spread and joel loses his daughter um in a really touching scene and then it kind of flash forwards 20 years i believe Mm -hmm. uh after the collapse of the world and what's left of it and he's given this task of escorting ellie to uh this place i believe it's in like colorado or something yeah Uh, i forget the specific state yeah but it's it's a it's a trek across the united states they start in boston they go all the way west um and he's presented this choice and you as a as the player don't really get to make that choice he makes it for you yeah uh you could like try to not kill the doctors i, as I the did pl- try not to kill the doctors but Joel, he kills one automatically and yeah. you have the choice of killing yeah it. i tried yeah. not to kill the doctors but like i could not Joel um, made the choice for me <laughs> joel made the choice for you um and yeah you can see like that this is something he needs he needs this person in his life yeah. to find any reason to continue living right yeah and interestingly, now they're going to do a second one. It'll be yeah. really interesting to see uh, where they go with it. Yeah, exactly. But the particularly interesting thing about the ending is the look that she gives him after when he tells her that it didn't work out and she just says, okay, and mm-hmm. the game ends. But you look in her eyes and this is what... She knows. Is, yeah, this she knows, first of all. But also every person who's played this game, I find, has a different opinion on whether he made the right choice or the wrong choice. And I always say that he made the wrong choice and she, he sort of took that agency away from her Mm-hmm. And her ability to make that sacrifice if she wanted to for his own selfishness. Whereas a lot of people will say, well, you know, she's like a daughter to him. And um, he just, he couldn't even imagine losing her. And in that position, I would do the same thing. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting. That's why I love the ending. Because, yeah. I mean, it's so unconventional. Like, you look at a lot of zombie stories where it's yeah. like, 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 I Am Legend, for example. Like, spoilers for a 12-year-old movie or whatever. You know, he <laughs> sacrifices himself to save a cure or whatever. Like, that's the conventional, like sort of heroic ending but joel goes so against type and what he does uh a mm-hmm. very selfish choice and i like the fact that you don't have to necessarily agree with what he did like like you were yeah. saying yeah it's interesting it's not the utilitarian ending right that we expect from our heroes and it also uh, as jess pointed out it, from what i've read a lot of people are divided on it whether they're a parent or not um for the parents they're all like nope he made the right choice yeah. I, you know nine times out of ten i would have made the same choice um okay so that's a great first pick to take us to start us off with dean you've been patiently listening while we spoil a great game and a movie i didn't say i am legend either but well um we're sorry it was a book and a movie yeah sorry my top three are skyrim i love the, i love that series um or the those two games i only played two mm-hmm. of them but skyrim I loved Kingdoms, Am- Reckoning Kingdoms of Amalur. Or okay, Amalur yes, Kingdom. yes. Yeah, although I didn't finish it. So I guess I can't really use that, and I'll say Dishonored. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Well, it's a very big game. Yeah. It's a very big, like, quest-driven game, so you can definitely use it. Mm-hmm. So which one would you like to highlight? 
um, Skyrim. I okay. loved it. I went to the midnight opening for it back in I don't remember when it was. Maybe it was a whole long ago. But I remember it being really cold, mm-hmm. and I waited all like waited all night for it, and then I got home and played it, and I it was just a great game. So, uh, for those who haven't heard of the Elder Scrolls series or specifically Skyrim, do you want to give the elevator pitch of what the game is? Um, yeah, I guess it's I guess it's been a while, but it's kind of a game where you are you find out you are Dovahkiin, and you have what that means is you can do dragon shouts, which allow you to do special powers and mm-hmm. you're kind of in a world where your dragons have come back to life and mm-hmm. you're being terrorized by them mm-hmm. well necessarily kind of yeah um the game allows you to do so many options so many things though you can completely ignore the quest and just just do other things and mm-hmm. kind of you can be like a fisherman even like and cut logs for a silly life um it's great and like um but yeah that's basically the game i can't really mm-hmm. think of much else. It's been a while since I've played it. Right. Yeah. So all I would add to that is it's like kind of this like typical. I mean, that's not really doing it fair because the world is really rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of your like typical fantasy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, role playing game where you're you're cast as the main character. You can create your main character to. You can be like a lizard. Or uh, a you, cat person. Or a cat person. Yeah. You can be something called the Nord, which is the kind of like Viking esque people that live. In this yeah. in Skyrim, in, there's so many yeah. different choices, um, and yeah, then you just kind of take on quests. They take you all over the world. It's a really expansive world. Um, it was really beautiful for the time. Obviously, technology has kind of advanced, and they're still making like remakes of it. Like there's now a Skyrim, for, or there's going to be a Skyrim for VR, and there's going to be a Skyrim for the Switch. That was kind of the running joke of E3 this year. It's like yeah. how many versions of Skyrim uh, are they announcing? <laughs> yeah, VR, totally. Switch, etc. And it's a game that people still play to this day. Uh, it's on PC, on the PC side of things. It's really there's a lot of mods available, so you can kind of change the functionality, the look of the game. You can even mod on um, Xbox One and PS4 totally. now. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. I uh, haven't done it, but. Um, and I guess this is it's a great that we're talking about our favorite moments from these games because there's in Skyrim or in any Elder Scrolls game, everyone has their own favorite moment, right? And it kind of comes organically just through playing the game. Uh, so is there a particular moment that really stands out your, in your mind? I I think... I don't really have a particular moment, but what stands out was when I just realized how powerful I became. Because mm-hmm. you play that game for so long and you start off as so weak and mm-hmm. dragons are such scary creatures and mm-hmm. you, sometimes you have to run away. But at, at one point, I've just you become really strong and I... I'm like a magic user in every game I type into play, and mm. I my spells were just doing so much damage, and I just enjoyed just having that power. It was just it made me feel great. Awesome, Brad, you've been patiently waiting. What are your top three? Uh, so funny enough, uh, RPGs, specifically JRPGs like Final Fantasy, are my favorite series. But the seventh generation wasn't the best for those. Uh, mm-hmm. So my three favorite games are actually Western action games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all sequels, funny enough. So okay. uh, Uncharted 2, which came yeah. out in 2009, uh, Mass Effect 2, which is 2010, okay. and then Batman Arkham City, which is 2011. Okay. Um, so I guess there. of the three, I will focus on Uncharted 2, which mm-hmm. is kind of the precursor to Last of Us in many ways. Uh, the same co-director, Neil Druckmann, uh, was the writer and director of Last of Us, and then he's doing part two as well, and he did Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
to me, Uncharted 2 is like the epif- the epitome, rather, of how you do a sequel. Like the first mm-hmm. game was solid for its time. It was an early PS3 game. It was more of a uh, that would be doing it a disservice. It's not necessarily of a tech demo, but it was very like limited. It was just kind of like Indiana Jones, uh, but you're on an island and kind of like Dude Raider. People called it like Tomb Raider. Yeah, uh, and it, it was kind of rough around the edges. You know, they're pushing six axis six axis controls to throw grenades and stuff. That's where you tilt the controller up and down. Mm-hmm. So there were a few awkward things, but the second one focused so much on the characters and that whole cinematic uh, appeal to to it. Because nowadays games are so cinematic, but we don't really remember a time, like this was early in the generation, right, 2008, 2009, where games were really becoming truly cinematic and Uncharted 2 was kind of leading the foray into that kind of game. Uh, so like everything from the writing to the voice acting, like Nolan North as Nathan Drake is perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. Like He does so much ad-libbing for that character. He's helped shape that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other voice actors are excellent. The visuals are immaculate. Uh, like Naughty Dog really set a precedent in terms of presentation with Uncharted 2 and also with the gameplay. Um, it was very much, here's, you watched all these Indiana Jones movies, now you can play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like crazy set pieces. Like the, the highlight of the game for me is the train level, which is the. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. halfway in between where basically the main character nathan drake uh he gets on to a train to basically rescue his friends and chase the bad guys uh to put it simply and the the level is is designed such that you can hop in and out of the train onto the top of it uh, in between different cargoes uh you'll have guys on the top with like big turret guns and t- guys on the bottom uh, that are heavily armored, and you have to kind of jump it through windows and through mm-hmm. corridors, and it's very uh, vertical, which is something the Uncharted games do very well, that verticality of how you can approach the levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just crazy cinematic over the top, and mm-hmm. it was pretty much the highlight of an already excellent game. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my turn. Um, so my top three are uh, Red Dead Redemption, uh, Dead Space 2, and... Um, just a, oh my goodness i was just thinking about it um all oh right assassin's creed 2 okay oh. so once again mostly sequels um which one to talk about the most i guess i have the best story about assassin's creed 2 so if i recall correctly it came out in 2008 2009 and for those who don't know me uh before i started embarked upon this career of writing <laughs> At university, I was I like to joke that I double majored in unemployment because I studied English and art history. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I'm gainfully employed right now, at least for the moment. Um, so I had a very specific skill set is what I'm trying to get at. And in my second year of university, uh, it was in my second or third year of university, the swine flu was a very big thing, if anyone remembers mm-hmm. this. 
Um, and I was one of the people to get the swine flu. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it came just around the time where it was midterms, where you had to hand in your essays. And, but my university, uh, UFT, was kind of, as far as that university goes, was very understanding of the whole situation. and was like, if you're sick, just stay home. You just fill out this little form and we'll talk to your professors and they'll make exceptions, right? Uh, I will say conveniently got sick just as AC2 came out. Um, And I remember I was just stuck in bed um, and I asked my dad, I'm like, here's $60. Could you please get me this game? And he's like, sure, like whatever. You're like, more or less dying this could be your dying <laughs> wish so i'll go get you this game and uh so he gets me this game and we set up my xbox 360 and i was using just a pc monitor at the time so we bring this like little like i'm in bed we bring in this little table bedside table put on the the 360 put the monitor on top of it and just like if you haven't played this game um or any assassin's creed You know, obviously most people are like, oh, it's about these assassinations. It looks so stupid. But it's a great form of kind of historical tourism. And it just so happens at that time, I was kind of, I was studying art history, specifically Renaissance history. And Assassin's Creed 2 is set in the Italian Renaissance. You visit Florence uh, or kind of like a digital um, doppelganger of Florence, uh, Venice, uh, Florley. And then there's a fourth city which i can't remember the name of but it is um one of kind of the tuscan uh cities in uh, medieval or renaissance italy and i just remember it was this like amazing moment where it was like oh like this is what i was studying in school and here it is to see it in like kind of the flesh right like i can't get out of my bed right now i probably won't be able to travel to italy anytime soon um but just to be able to see it was something that was like really an amazing moment and then obviously beside Besides that, that game was such a huge jump from the first one. The first one, I think, is mostly uh, Brad and, you know, everyone else will probably attest is it wasn't it was cool, but it wasn't a great game. This was a great game, like an amazing storyline. It introduced us to Ezio, which is the main was for uh, three games, the main character of the series and kind of the one that people love the most. Partially because he was Italian, right, Jess? Yes, I know. I'm half Italian for anyone who doesn't know. Uh And um, funny, uh, like I have my own funny Assassin's Creed story. I didn't beat the game uh, just because like I was I was really into Far Cry at the time. And I was kind of like, I'm kind of tired of playing the same game over and over. Although everyone tells me that's a great oversight. But that's another Mm -hmm. conversation. Anyway, um, I went to Italy a couple years ago and I went to Florence and I didn't know Ponte Vecchio at the time because I'm bad at geography, apparently. But we were passing by and I was like, Oh my god, isn't this the bridge where you get in the fight with Ezio? So I didn't know what Ponte Vecchio was, but I knew it was the bridge where I got into a fight with like these random dudes on the street when I was playing Assassin's Creed. So the, Yeah, so I, I think that's like such a wonderful moment with that game is where um, you like, yeah. you know, like tying the virtual to the real world, right? Um, anyone want to else talk about one of their other choices, Jess, perhaps? Yeah, so, um, so what like what I love about Bioshock I mean it just like brings up a lot of good memories for me it's just because that was the game that got me into video games as I said earlier um you know just like growing up I grew up with a lot of guys and like I would play video games with them but I always saw it as like a guy thing so I never got into mm-hmm. video games I thought it just wasn't for me 
Um, like, you know, there's always like male protagonists. So I'm like, okay, it's not really for me, but like, I'll still play it. But I wasn't very excited about it. But I had an ex at the time who told me that I would love this game because I'm super dark and I love horror. So he's like, this game is so scary. And like, you're like, just try it. And so mm-hmm. I did. And I mean, like, it wasn't that scary to me. It was creepy for its time, I think. But um, what got to me too is that it had a really good story. And obviously as a writer by trade, the story is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of games that were popular, you know, games like Halo and Call of Duty, not to say that they're not good games, but it just, I wasn't emotionally attached to the game. Like I didn't care what happened. So mm-hmm. I would just like maybe play like multiplayer a couple of times with my friends and then like not get into it. But this game was like really, um, like I actually cared about what was happening. I liked the fact that you could choose to be a good person or not. And that would impact the ending of the game. And that was the first time that I played a game like that. So then I thought, well, if this game was so good, I got to find other games like it. And that sort of started my journey as a gamer, as it were. <laughs> um, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brian? Uh, I'd probably say Arkham City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass Effect 2 is great as well. Um, for me, uh, I was kind of at the time where uh, I was kind of close-minded i wasn't really into dc i kind of thought batman was stupid uh he is. like he's not <laughs> um like i was kind of young uh this was around the time where like the dark knight and then arkham asylum came out they came out within a year mm-hmm. uh, so those really got me into it uh but then arkham city is kind of what cemented it um mm-hmm. just the, the the level of passion that the that studio has for the character mm-hmm. uh like they set out to because for context arkham asylum was set in the asylum where all the bad guys are kept away so it was very it was very atmospheric but it was also like a metroidvania style game so it wasn't open world but arkham city was the first open world batman game uh and they really set out to make and they said in an interview they're like we're not going to make the biggest open world ever but we want to make the most detailed uh and i think they really nailed that in a lot of ways like as someone who's gone back and read a lot of batman comics and read a lot of uh, stories with Batman and watched mm-hmm. other TV shows and everything. Like they nailed it with like the all the Easter eggs and the little Riddler uh, content they have there. Like the the world, there were just so many nooks and crannies to it, and it was just so mm-hmm. rich. And the the glide mechanic that they de- they delivered in that game, uh, where basically you can grapple onto anything, launch yourself up, and then dive bomb, and then uh, shoot yourself back up. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's a really great way of getting around the city. It captures the fantasy of being. Yeah, for fat. sure. Yeah. Uh, like those games just fundamentally just nail that. And then they did a great job of like fan service again, not just with the, the world, but like they brought back Kevin Conroy, who was the de facto voice of, or he was the, the go-to voice of Batman for 20 plus years from the animated series. And they brought Mark Hamill back as the Joker, which was phenomenal. Um, and the story between the two is great. I don't want to spoil the ending, mm-hmm. even though it's an older game, but because I think Dean hasn't played it either. I've played most. Well, no, I've seen most of it. <laughs> but the ending between Batman and the Joker is just yeah. phenomenal. And like, yeah, they're just they tell such great stories. The gameplay is awesome with that combat, uh, like the free flow style combat, has been aped in so many other games. Totally. Uh, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, Sleeping Dogs, sh- uh, Shadow of Mordor, uh, even like Uncharted and Assassin's Creed to an extent, kind of copied elements of that combat mm-hmm, system like it's just sublime so. Dean? um reckoning i love that game so much i just i didn't finish it but just i think have this thing of power apparently because in that game it was the same thing where i'm a, i'm a, this mage and mages in games tend to have to stay back or they get 
um, damaged pretty easily, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, let me get a health potion out mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But King of Demular, you're kind of really in the battle. You had from my character because you get to choose how you play in that game as well, and you had like these chakrams like in Xena. And it was just cool how like you can control the elements of them, and it was you were in it, you're fighting like basically anything. You felt like again, there's that feeling of like you start super weak, but then you just grow into this this godlike magician, or for me, a magician, and it was just a great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I will note with that game, I think it was made by the same designer as uh, he he had previously worked on the Elder Scrolls series. So kind of mm-hmm. you can see the thorough line between the two games. I didn't know that. Thank you. And then I think uh, the popular uh, fiction writer R.A. Salvatore okay. helped yeah. write yeah. the and story then, as well. That. And then yeah. Seth McFar- McFarlane, excuse me, did the art or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spawn creator. Yes, the Spawn yeah. creator. Um, quickly, because it's getting really hot in here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sweating. Um, Red Dead Redemption. I'll just quick moment from that game. Uh, so it's kind of divided the world map. In so Red Dead set during the kind of end of the the Wild West in the U.S. Uh, and the world is divided between like the Southern United States and Mexico. And the first time your character um, crosses into Mexico, there's this. I'll never forget this moment because it's kind of this mm. moment, the perfect like song to go along to a moment. Uh, it's a song by Jose Gonzalez called Far Away. Uh, Jose Gonzalez, you probably, if you've heard of his music, you've probably heard of, um, he does this amazing cover of Heartbeats uh, by The Knife. Um, it was in a Sonia Bravia commercial. You can look it up. It's this really great commercial where these little balls are uh, falling down um, Knob Hill in San Francisco. Um, anyway, phenomenal song. And when... This, when I got across Mexico, so this is like an open world game, so it's kind of up to the player when they want to cross, right? I was crossing, it was like the dead of night, a thunderstorm started, and so this game, if you've seen it, like what it looks like during a thunderstorm, it's absolutely beautiful. It kind of captures that, like, that fantasy of being a cowboy and just like running off into the wild and, you know, just the sun in your back and, you know, you're, you and your horse. Um and you can look it up just look up you know uh red red or red dead and uh far away um i don't think it'll have the kind of same emotional impact that it had for so many players if you haven't played it um and just the thorough line of that's of that game story is is so fantastic um my favorite rockstar game for sure totally um rockstar better known for the gta games which is also amazing yes (laughs) um okay shout outs jess uh, I want to shout out my third pick, Catherine. Uh, if you are a morally bankrupt person okay. like I am, you will enjoy Catherine. <laughs> That's a great shout out. Uh, Dean? Shout out to my friend Dylan. Um, I This like seventh generation of games, I wasn't really into very many games. I wasn't really, like exp- I didn't try to explore any different games, but this generation I like play essentially everything I can get my hands on. So it's mm-hmm. fun. And it's because of him. Thank you, Dylan. Yay, Dylan. Uh, I'm going to be like Killer Instinct here and be a combo breaker uh-huh. uh, and not talk about something that's games for my shout out. Uh, okay. I'm going to shout out to this past weekend was Comic-Con mm-hmm. in San Diego uh, and, you know, a bunch of companies that go there and show off trailers and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Marvel fan and they showed off the trailer for the upcoming Avengers movie, Infinity mm-hmm. War. Uh, they showed footage that they previously showed at D23, which is Disney's fan event in uh, Anaheim. 
Uh, they showed off the same footage, which normally doesn't uh, release to the public, but I saw a leaked version of it online. Oh, nice. And it's incredible. Just the idea of 10 years, and at that point, at this point, when it releases next year, 19 movies of world building and building up to this giant conflict uh, with all the characters, the Avengers, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, etc. It's just phenomenal. Um, if you haven't seen it, my shout out is go see Dunkirk. I really, as like a, someone who loves history, um, it was so amazing to see Christopher Nolan's vision of it, which is, you know, you go into it thinking like, oh, it'd be something like Saving Private Ryan, where it's actually like the reverse. Um, so check it out if you enjoy history or if you just enjoy really good movies. Um, as usual, we ask you if you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at mobilesyrup.com. Um, we're still waiting for that magical first person to record their question so that we can put it into the podcast. Um, if you'd like to follow uh, Mobile Syrup, you can do so at Mobile Syrup. That's on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, your social media uh, network of choice, including Google Plus, if you're still a Google Plus user, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> where can everyone find you? Jess? Um, you can find me at Jessica Galang with two Gs at the end. Or at Betakit and Betakit.com. Uh, any stories people should check out on Betakit? Um, if you like AI, we're doing a lot of AI stories right now. So if you want to find out if your job is at risk, you should keep reading Betakit. Are our jobs at risk? Totally. Um, actually, no. Writers well, are among the most secure right now because our job requires so much abstract thought. Mm. But um, truck drivers um, should watch out. Oh, snap. That's Uh-oh. the future <laughs> predicted by Logan. <laughs> he yeah. became an Uber driver. He yes. did, yeah. Uh, D? Uh, I, I never remember it. It's so abstract. Um, I think it's the DCW underscore. If not, you can always email me through the con- uh, contact us page through mobilesyrup.com. You don't know your own Twitter account? No. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. So you need to go home, play The Last of Us, and figure out your Twitter. Yeah, you need to figure out your life, man. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Brad? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brad Shankar, uh, and same thing. You can also find me at mobilesyrup.com. I'm at Igor Bonifacic, where I talk what's good about the internet. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, where we'll probably talk about, I don't know, CRTC, cell phone bills, something not gaming related. Anyway, thank you again. Take care. <laughs>